0: Alright, right, so Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 40. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their father, sorry, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect." Uh, The Bible says that all men are like grass and that all man's glory is like the flower of the field and that grass withers, flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us tonight before we talk about it more. Heavenly Father, we we do ask you now that you would teach us these words, that you would place these words on our heart, that these words would... That, as they go out, they would change us and make us different that they would that these words would do something that we can 't do for ourselves. Father, would you work in spite of in spite of my shortcomings, in spite of all of our distracted hearts, please be at work, we ask it in jesus name amen uh, i 've learned, and a couple of you at least know this all too well, probably that uh, if you want to become a commercial pilot, commercial airline pilot, uh, you have to be able to fly in in virtually any and every imaginable circumstance. Uh, and that means that you have to be uh, what they call instrument rated. Instrument rated. That means that you have to be able to fly and land your plane uh, relying on nothing other than your instruments. Uh, that you're not... Uh, that you can't rely on what you can see because, quite frankly, there are... It doesn't happen often, thankfully, but there are times in which you can't see anything. You can't use your sight to fly and land a plane, and so you have to rely on something else. You've got to rely on your instruments to navigate if you want to survive. Uh, when, there's, when you can't perceive reality, when you can't see what's really there... You've got to rely on something else, something that you can't see. Um, And that really, uh, we could say in a sense that a pilot in that regard would have to have faith in his instruments. He can't rely on his sight. And that really, as I'm sure you realized as we read through that passage, uh, this is what our passage, that's what our passage is about tonight. It's about faith. Faith. this semester, you know, we're going through the book of Hebrews, and our theme is better than you can imagine, because that's that's the recurring uh, echo, in a sense, of what the author of Hebrews says. He's writing to people that they are Christians, but they're tempted to go back to their Jewish faith. They're tempted because they're being persecuted. That's what that's what they see around them is persecution. That living for Jesus is hard. Painful. And so they're really tempted to go back. They're essentially asking themselves the question Is Jesus really worth it? And so all throughout, the author of Hebrews is trying to trying to tell them over and over look, Jesus is way better than you can imagine. He's so much better. And we've really now we've turned into sort of the last section of Hebrews. And in this part of the letter, he's really focusing on how to, um, he's focusing on telling these Christians and and us how to persevere in the faith. How to persevere as a believer. And, And tonight what we see is that he basically says, look, what you need to know about persevering is that you have got to have faith. Right? Christians that are, that what they see He's basically saying, in a sense, you can't trust what you see. You're going to have to rely on something else. And that is faith. That's what faith is. Uh, particularly, namely, you're going to have to rely on your faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his, his second coming. Um, so we're going to look at four things tonight about Faith. Four things. First, we're going to see that everyone has faith. Secondly, we'll see where uh, we'll see that faith begins with reason. Thirdly, we'll see that faith ends with commitment. And fourthly, finally, we'll look at who who faith is for. All right. So first, and very quickly, I want you to see that everyone has faith. Look uh, in verse one. We get apparently get a definition of faith. Um, Some scholars debate whether or not it's a definition they spend way too long writing about. Is it a definition? Is it not? Who cares? It sure seems to be. Uh, And so what's that definition of faith? It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And it's what we've been saying already. It's basically having, it's trusting something that you cannot see. And I want you to see that that's actually not so much of a foreign concept as we might tend to think. Um, no matter who you are, whether Christian or not, I would submit to you that everyone has faith in something. But we all have faith. For example, obviously for the, uh, for the Christian, uh, it very well might be faith in God. Uh, you can't see that God exists. You can't prove it, right? And so you believe that He does, You have faith that he exists. But even beyond uh, whether, even if you're not a Christian, um, right? Let's say someone that looks and says, what I, the only things that I believe are true are what science can prove and what, what we can know is true from science. That's what I believe. And I want you to see that even that right there is actually a faith statement it's a position of faith because you are assuming, you're starting with the, uh, the notion that everything that is worth knowing can be known through science. But you can't prove that. That's not something that can be proven. And that's actually just as much of a statement of faith or an act of faith as is believing in God. And so really, it's something that we all do whether Christian or not. So really, the the issue is not so much of do you have faith, but a question of what your faith is in. And so as we explore that, a little bit more about what faith looks like, we turn to our second point. And I want you to see that faith begins with reason. Faith begins with reason. And I think this is important to to discuss for just a minute because I, I think that we tend to get We don't think about faith rightly a lot of times. Um, There's a lot of confusion about what it really is. A lot of times I think we hear people talk about faith as being what we... It's what you need when there's no evidence for something. That, That faith is that blind leap into the dark. When there's no reason to really trust something, that's when... You know, that's the area for faith. Maybe even believing something besides there being any good reason to. And I want you to see that that, that Christian faith, not only is it just not devoid of reason, but that reason, right, thinking, using our brains, is actually very much a part of Christian faith. Faith, in other words, faith in Christ very much involves our thinking and our reasoning, engaging our minds. Uh, look at the first by faith, uh, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. Right? How do you come to understand something? Well, often it's by having someone explain it to you, right? Um, That word, uh, the Greek word there, it shows up when it shows up in the New Testament. Oftentimes it shows up uh, in the context of Jesus um, explaining something to people that they come to understand. And what does that process look like? Right. It it looks like engaging your mind. Uh, I want you to see this. You need to understand this and then also this and this. And you begin to put things together. Right. Reasoning through it. But it's, it's a faith that engages the mind. Uh, we see more of the same uh, in the examples of men and women in, in this list that had faith. That they reasoned from God's word. Look at verse 7. Noah heard God's warning. Uh, he had evidence and he thought about it. He reasoned and he trusted what he couldn't see. Verse 8. Abraham heard God's call and he reasoned and he trusted. Uh, verse 11, especially. Sarah considered God faithful, who had promised. Right? God made a promise and she thought about it. She considered it. Um, Verse 19, same word. Uh, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, the the child of the promise. And he says, Abraham considered that God would raise him up from the dead. And that word for considered, the root of it... Um, it, it, it's about governing, um, it's about governing and and judging, right? So how does it, how does that happen? How does it, what does a judge do? He looks at the evidence and he makes an informed decision, right? These people, uh, these great, um, evidences or these great examples rather of faith, they, they used their minds, We're called to engage our minds. All right, now you might be thinking, uh, you might think of um, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that uh, we're supposed to live by faith and not by sight, though. And that might seem contradictory, but what what I I want you to think about for a second is that living by faith is contrasted with sight, but not reason. Sight, but not reason i 'm going to give you an a, guess illustration uh, that i 'm stealing from my former campus minister uh, at one point <clears throat> at one point he got kidney stones and uh, of course said that it was the worst pain that he'd ever anybody ever had kidney stones. Some of you you know i thankfully i 've never had them don 't know but people that get them routinely say yes, the most painful things they 've ever experienced and so once they were, you know, he goes to the doctor, and once they were gone, you know, the doctor says, "Look, from now on, you've got to stay away from uh, uh, what was dairy. No more milk for you." And so he's got to trust the doctor, right? Trust what the doctor says. Stay away from the milk and whatnot. And there's going to be no more pain. And he said, "But the problem comes in when I open the refrigerator. Like it's pretty easy to, like, all right, no milk. I get it. But the problem." you know, is introduced when I open the fridge and I see the chocolate milk. And he said, I love chocolate milk. And now, now I've got an issue because what I see is that, man, that sure looks good. And it sure would taste good. And so what, what does he need in that moment? And what he needs in that moment is to reason, right? Just Bare trust in the doctor is, in a sense, going to fall short, right? Or it's going to be really hard to bow, like, I'm just supposed to do what that guy I said. You're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it. Right? Is that what he needs? Or does he need to think through it, right? Reason through it? Um, I need to trust my doctor. Why would I do that? Well, because, number one, I can remember the pain that I was in. Right? My doctor said, don't do this. And I'll stay healthy. And I think I should probably trust him. Why? Because he has no reason to lie to me. Right? You've got to walk through it. Uh, Reason through it. Um, and, And then, in a sense, it becomes actually easier to endure. Right? Whereas, just in a sense, the blind faith in that guy comes up short. You've got to walk through it. So what does that mean for us? Look, if you're not a believer... Um, then I want you to see that, I want you to know that Christianity does not hold out a faith um, that, that asks you to be ignorant or that it asks you to just blindly trust. Uh, Christianity doesn't hold out a faith, that, a faith that says, look, just shut up and believe, check your brain at the door. But actually, in a sense, quite the opposite. And in fact, it encourages you to bring your questions. Don't stuff them away. Actually, bring your questions. Bring your, engage your mind. And I would say, look, we, uh, Dave and Olivia and I, we would love, if that's you, we would love to talk with you about those questions. But if you are a believer, uh, then, what, then what you need in the middle of a struggle is a reasoned faith. Right? When you're faced with some sort of temptation that something else, whatever it might be, is going to give you life, Right Something other than Jesus, then you've got to reason um, when you're tempted to think that that sexual experience, whatever it might be, right, that when, when that's what you can see or feel, and everything about it seems to say, "This is going to give you life, this is going to be good for you. right In a sense it doesn't just do to say... No, not supposed to. Like this is just wrong, and I need to. I need to not do this. Right, but we've got to reason. You've got to engage your mind about the truth of Jesus Christ. That um, this, you've got to realize that this is actually a lie. That what I feel is actually not reality. And it's not good for me. That that Jesus does give me rules, but He gives me rules not because He wants to keep me from fun but because he loves me and cares for me. And he knows what's good for me and he wants to protect me. We've got to, we've got to reason in the midst of our struggles. It's a reasoned faith. All right, we've got to, uh, we've got to move quickly here. Um, so I want to look at our third item for tonight. And I want you to see that when uh, even though faith begins with reason... It doesn't stay there. But thirdly, I want you to see that faith ends or results with commitment. Right? Faith is not just a knowing of the facts, like cognitively, but it's an actually a, a trusting of those facts, of, of relying, or leaning your life on these facts and resting in it. Living as if it's actually true. All of these examples of faith that we have here um, they, they all felt or saw one thing, but they trusted and believe, or believed something that they couldn't see. And they lived to that truth, to the second one. They, le- they leaned their lives into what they couldn't see. Um, and that really is at the heart of faith. Uh, I came across this story about a man named John Patton. He was a missionary um, in, to some islands in the South Pacific, and he was working right to, uh, to engage with these, uh, these natives on, this, on these islands and to communicate the truth of Jesus to them. And so he had to learn their language. And he says that he really struggled to, uh, to communicate, to find the right words in their language, to communicate the idea, the concept of faith. And it was very difficult for him until one day it, it sort of dawned on him how to do it and uh, the, the story is sort of it's one of two things either happened um, the story is that either one day he saw someone leaning on a you know they were working and they stopped and they leaned on their shovel and then I saw one accountant said he himself was sitting in a, in a chair thinking about it and then he leaned all his weight back in his chair and so either one of those don't know which one's right but the idea was that the concept of the person leaning all their weight onto something so that that thing was supporting them, right? And so when that hit him, he found someone that spoke to him and said, what's the word for that? Like what that guy's doing or what I'm doing leaning back in the chair? What, what is this word? And that was the word he used for faith. To lean your whole weight on something so that it, it supports you. That's really at the heart of what faith is. Um, you know, you can think about, about it like sort of the trust fall, right? Um, right? You know, the trust fall where people get behind you. and right, and, all right So if you don't mind, if we'd all stand up. No, I'm kidding. Um, that would be so awkward. But you get the idea, right? Trusting that something else is going to support you and then living your life in light of that reality. Committing to it. Look at some of these examples. Um, Noah in verse 7. God tells him that a flood's coming, and he tells him to build a boat, and he does. Even though he's living in the desert. What he sees is desert, but he reasons from God's word, and he acts on it. Um, He's leaning his whole life into that, despite what he sees. Abraham, uh, the same thing. God tells him to leave his country for a new land that he's going to give him. Um, and he could have gone back to his old home, but rather he leans his whole life into the truth that God is going to give him a land, something that he couldn't see. All right, so what does that mean for us? Look, It means that we need to lean our, our whole life's weight onto the gospel, onto the good news of Jesus. And so that looks like when, when we're tempted, when what we see with our eyes... Or what we feel is that I'm tempted to wrap up my identity in my performance at Baylor. In my grades or my resume. And I'm tempted to do whatever it takes to get those grades. Because that's where I'm going to find life. Um, and we're, we're functionally trusting that more than Jesus. It means that we need to reason and remember the truth. right? We need to walk through, reason the fact that Jesus... Jesus has given Himself for me. He finds me so so valuable that He died for me. And because He died for me, He gives me His righteousness. And so that's my identity. My identity is the same as the sinless Son of God. And so... The more that I reason that way, the more I'm able to look and say, to find my identity in that and then be able to actually look at at unhealthy amounts of schoolwork and say no to it. Say that if my identity really is in that, then I'm going to lean my weight onto that. And so that means that that I'll be able to more and more say, I do need to work hard in school, but now I'm going to rest. But my identity hangs in the balance. No, it doesn't. My identity is safe. Even if my grades aren't. And I'm going to lean my weight into what Jesus, onto Jesus, really. Or fill in the blank, whatever it is. If someone sins against you, right? It, um, we reason about the fact that Jesus has forgiven us. And so, therefore, I don't have to make you pay for it. For what you owe me, because you sinned against me. And so I can lean my weight into the fact that Jesus, Jesus is enough. And that means that I can actually treat you uh, with forgiveness and not make you pay. I heard one pastor say that it looks like, it looks like doing something that if, if what you can see in this world is all that there is... Then it wouldn 't make any sense, but if you see it in light of god 's reality, then it would make all the sense in the world, maybe like uh, giving giving money away right if all that 's true, if all that 's real is what you can see in this world it 's sort of insane to give money away but if if Jesus is If the gospel is true, if God is real, then it makes all the sense in the world. Because I can lean into the fact that he's going to take care of me. All right, lastly and quickly, uh, we need to look at uh, the question of who is faith for? So you might be thinking, all right, sure, I would love to live like that. That would be great. Um, But... uh, that's not me, right? Like, I, I can't... Right? We've read, we've read through all these great heroes of the faith, and that, that's not me. I'm just me, um, right? These people are, you know, Abraham and um, David and, you know, on and on, Noah, Moses. I mean, they're in the Bible, right? And I'm just a normal person. And what I want you to see... I want you to see who faith in Jesus is really for... Because these people are in the Bible because they are not amazing, but God is. Right? You have to understand this. And, I, and I'm hoping that this, at least for some of you, is sort of turning things on its head. These people are not in the Bible because they are amazing. In fact, these, are, these people are normal, everyday, just people. Look, this is, one of the, this is one of my favorite and most helpful things that I can remember learning in RUF 20-something years ago. And, and just grabbing hold of this and, and realizing the implications of it, and like, man, that is such good news. And it's this. that Look, have you ever thought about the fact that the Bible goes out of its way to show you how terribly flawed all of its main characters are besides Jesus? Moses, David, you know, everyone. It goes out of its way to show you all their bad stuff and that they do have plenty of it. Um, and it's because they're normal people. They're just like us. Um, I, let's just look at some Noah. Right? Noah got wasted drunk after getting off the ark. After realizing that God was right and he sent the flood and he killed everybody else. Um, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, There's a guy on the list that twice, two different times, was willing to give up his wife and let his wife sleep with the king and maybe even sort of be married to a king, a foreign king, just to save his own skin. Um, We've got people on the list that lied, that cheated, um, that uh, there are multiple murderers on the list. There's a guy that sacrificed his daughter. Sacrificed his daughter. There's a guy that committed adultery with another man's wife. And then had that guy killed to cover it up. Um, there's a woman that, um, that made her living by selling her body to men. And then plenty more. These people did not deserve it. The, the, every one of them just screwed up. And I want you to see that they had faith, right? Because God is gracious. God is gracious. And there are people on this list that exhibited varying degrees of faith. Um, When God told Sarah, you're going to have a baby, she laughed. She laughed at him. And then when he called her on it, she lied to him. But then evidently she did go on to believe to some degree. Moses begged God not to not uh, Moses begged God to send someone else to save Israel. You're going to be my you're going to be the savior of Israel. Please let somebody else do it. The Israelites, when they were on the the edge of the uh, the Red Sea, right, were in a utter panic before God parted the Red Sea, and it says they walked through on faith because it's not their morality. They weren't saved by their morality. They weren't even saved by the strength of their faith. They were saved by the object of their faith. And the good news is that the same is true for us. Real quick, I want to end with this illustration. Um, you, you probably are not familiar with this phenomenon, but when my parents' generation, when they were growing up, um, when they would ride in the car, there, there were really no seatbelts. And so, you know, little kid, right? You would ride on the front seat, no seatbelt. And if you had to stop quickly, if you're the driver, you're the parent, right? Um, so my grandparents, if you're driving, you've got a little toddler on the seat, you would stick your arm out across them, right? As a sort of arm bar to protect them, which is apparently the science on it is hilarious. It's like trying to stop a train, right? If you're going a certain speed, like you got no shot. But that's what they would do, right? Um, and so then... Uh, so I can still... I can remember riding with... So when I come along, when I grew up, when I was little, we had seatbelts, right? Not that old. But I still remember riding in the front seat. in the You know, little, little. Riding in the front seat and wearing a seatbelt. And I can remember riding... When I would ride with my grandmother... If she would have to slam on the brakes, arm bar, right? Like what in the, her arms across my chest. But when I would ride with my mom or dad and the same thing would happen, they didn't do that. Because, you know, the whole time they've had kids in the car, right? You got, we got these great things called seatbelts and they save lives. And so I want you to imagine, um, riding with either one of those people, riding with my grandmother or riding with my mom, Uh, I never had a wreck with either one, but if we had been in a wreck and I had walked away unhurt, what was it that saved me? It was the fact that my grandmother and my mother put me in the seatbelt, right? It was, in a sense, their faith in the seatbelt. Even though they were to... Very different degrees. Does that make sense? Right. My grandmother didn't really trust the seatbelt. She still did the like. Well, I think it's just better if I hang on to him. And my mom, you know, like, what am I going to do? Right. I'm going to seatbelt's going to work. So, do you see? You get what I'm saying that that ultimately it's the object of the I was saved would have been saved by the seatbelt. And not the strength of which they trusted the seatbelt. It's not the strength of our faith that saves us, but the object of our faith. And that's the good news. The good news that Jesus came to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. And it's his work that saves us. It's not even how strongly you hang on to it. That's great news. It's just that we put our faith, even if it's weakly, feebly, in Jesus. And so he invites you to come and lean your whole weight on him, regardless of how weak your faith might be. Jesus Jesus himself said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I I will never cast out. Never cast out. He will not turn away anybody that comes to him. So come, even if it's with weak faith he invites you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, would you would you give us faith? Would you grow our faith? And we ask it in your in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.